this is Jeff. Hi, Mr. Livingston. It's Stephanie, the hiring manager who interviewed you last week. Oh, hi, Stephanie. I want to let you know we're putting together a job offer. Ah, that's great to hear. I mean, you're perfect for the role. Maybe overqualified. It's not every day I meet someone with a PhD in rocket science. Well, I do enjoy space. And I've never met someone who speaks seven languages. Oh, merci beaucoup. And to think you've had the time to win two Olympic medals and a Nobel Prize for Literature. Aw, thanks, Stephanie. You know what they say. Healthy body, healthy mind. Well, we'll be pleased to have you on the team as soon as you clear the background screening process. Background screening process? Background checks and screening services. It's what we're talking about today. This is the Insights at Work podcast. Hello, Mr. Livingston? Are you there? Hello? Yakelka? Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of the Insights at Work podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Livingston. This is the podcast that looks at what's happening in the HR world, takes your questions, and studies the research to help HR experts move forward. Is prepared by HR experts for HR experts. Background checks, they're a standard part of the employment process. A job offer is commonly accompanied by small print that reminds the candidate that the role is contingent upon successful completion of a background check. And like with most topics here at the Insights at Work podcast, well, let's get right into those fine print details. And who better to fill us in than president of Britain Management Profiles and background screening services expert, Marty Britton. Marty, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. For those listeners who might not be familiar with your work in this field, how about you fill them in? Awesome. Thanks, Jeff. I'm delighted to be here today. Happy to fill you in. We are the first background checking company in Canada and been helping our clients know who they hire since 1974. And it's been under my direction for the last 28 years. When I first became involved with the company, we were strictly an investigative reference checking company. And as the world and our client requirements changed, as did we, and we adapted and offered new services to ensure that our clients knew who they were hiring. Oh, fantastic. I grew up in family business. It sounds like it was a family business. Yeah, actually, my father founded it in 1974. And when he became ill, I stepped in to help out in 1994. Yes. And you've never looked back. Never looked back. I left a career in civil engineering to take it over, but it was a regret I will never have. And Marty, the HR world is better for it. So Marty, let's start with a quick overview of what a background check is and if it's really that important. Absolutely, critically important, Jeff. A background check or a screening report, as some would call it, is a review of information and facts about an applicant used to determine their suitability for a role. So when some people say background check, they may just be referring to a criminal record check, but we think of the entire process. Now this may be done at initial hire, a promotion, or a transfer, or may also be done on volunteer contracts and direct employment applicants. It's important, and in some industries, even required to conduct a background check report as part of the organization's ongoing due diligence effort. If information is not known about an individual that may place the organization at risk, they may be considered liable and unable to engage with that individual. So, so these background reports are very important in protecting the organization's reputation. They help to create a safe work environment for staff 
customers, suppliers, and provide financial protection against any potential claims. A very important point to make early in the discussion is that any background check must be done with the applicant's valid, current, and informed consent. Marty, let me ask you what I bet is on many of the listeners' minds. Where do your background screeners find candidates stretching the truth on their resumes? So we often see that in um, education and uh, employment verifications, Jeff. That's where we see a lot of the indiscretions. That's where it's probably the highest percentage of of misrepresentation. And sometimes you're bordering on what is actually fraudulent behavior because it's a total misrepresentation. That's where we see the most of it. Um, And the other part is obviously criminal record checks today. Are, are critical. Marty, I know that you and I have talked in the past about how the need for background checks have changed. In fact, there was probably a turning point around 9-11 where employers started paying more attention to the practice. How have you seen the need for background checks change over the years? After 9-11, here's what happened. Our level of trust changed and the component of risk and compliance became so much more important, and in some cases, mandatory. So let's think of the last 20 years, background checking has become a commonplace practice amongst almost all organizations for a number of those reasons. Marty, you know me. I'm a big fan of bringing some processes in-house because it increases creative control over the project. Are background checks one of those processes that an HR team should be looking after internally, or is it best to have an external party take care of it? Now, I have a feeling that I know which way you're going to land on this one, but let's hear the argument. Obviously, we would say no. You, a company should never do the background check themselves. Obviously. A couple of reasons, but the first one is we've never met the candidate. We have no preconceived ideas about the candidate, so we're able to be objective. That's the main thing. But um, the other reason why companies should not do their own background checks is mostly for compliance. Um, Information that we obtain, we have access to databases. We have vetted sources that we can use and accuracy. Background screening can be very complicated and companies wouldn't know where to begin to go to get that information, even if they were legally able to get it. We have existing databases with contact information for schools, the employers, and other associations. We have seen all kinds of records and know what looks normal and and what may be more suspicious, and we're more efficient at that process. And another reason, an important thing to consider is external organizations are able to leverage the relationship with these entities to get the information in a consistent format, which is really important and to provide details back to our clients or organizations that are doing the hiring in a readable and easy to understand format. So to have someone in your own company looking up this sort of information and contacting them, it could be very difficult and you would lose a lot of, uh, it would take a lot of time and they wouldn't have access to the resources that we do. Most importantly though, Jeff, today with the criminal record checks, you have to have a relationship with a certain police department to actually obtain that information and a police department would never allow that information to be given to a company. So you'd have to go through some type of background screening company to access that data. Marty, you sold me. HR teams have a finite amount of time and resources and performing a background check externally sounds like it makes the most sense to me. Your team have the experience and they have the systems and contacts 
And like you mentioned, they don't have that bias towards one candidate over another. Now, you also mentioned that it's common to see candidates stretch the truth. I've seen stats that are pretty high, but could you share with the listeners just how high those stats can be? The percentage of that, it depends on what type of role that you're going to be hiring for. Um, But typically, if you want a percentage, 78% of job candidates will misrepresent themselves on their resume. 78%, Jeff. That's the number. And what does that cost you? That costs you 213% of their annual salary if you have to replace that employee. So think about that. If you're hiring an employee who's going to be earning $100,000 a year and you find this, there's inconsistencies and you hire somebody who you shouldn't have hired, it's going to cost you $213,000 to replace them. So it's really, really important to know who you're hiring and check all the credentials. Our job is to remain objective. And that's another reason why it's really important for companies to outsource this sort of work, especially if you're talking about references, employment and education verification, because we have never met the candidate. Again, we have no preconceived ideas, so we can remain objective. We're not we're not the client trying to hire this person and going, oh, my, I need to get a person in that seat by the end of this week. So this person's going to do it. This person will do. And sometimes that's just not a good way to make a hiring decision. Okay, so 78%, it's a high number, Marty. And I'm sure candidates, well, they may stretch the truth on things big to small. But how often would one of your screeners identify a discrepancy? Well, that's probably going to disqualify the candidate for the role. Yeah, you know what? I don't actually have the actual percentage on that one, Jeff. Um, But yeah, you know what? I would say at least one time out of 10, we're going to find some serious misrepresentation in terms of what they are presenting to us. Marty, are there times when everything on paper for the candidate looks great? I mean, even after the references are conducted and your screener just has a nagging feeling that something's off. All of the references, they're too aligned. Everyone's got the perfect story, like they were coached by the candidate. And if so, what do you do in those instances? Yeah, and that's what we call that gut feel. And that's why it's important when we're going through the whole background screening process with one of our clients that only one of our associates manages all aspects of the background check of that one particular candidate. Because again, their job is to listen to what's not being said, picking up on things. And if there's something that's just not sitting right, we will actually notify our client who's hiring us to do the process for them to just give them a heads up. This is just something that's come up with us. And we may send it in an email. We may actually just call the client personally and say, this is what is, you know, what we're coming up with, a gut feel. We just want you to know about this, to take that into account. Because perhaps the client is having a similar thought. Maybe something's not lining up with them. And of course, we wouldn't want the client to give us that information at the beginning of the process because our job is to be objective, right? We've never met the candidate. We have no preconceived ideas. So our job is to be totally objective. But if we do pick up information that we're just not sure about, we will absolutely bring it back to our client. So Marty, what are the most important parts, the most important components of a solid background check? The most important thing to check, Jeff, is a Canadian criminal record check. It's done within a couple of hours, it's easy, and and that's where most clients should always absolutely start would be with a criminal record check. It's also the uh, most inexpensive check to have done. The next thing that's very important is education credentials have to be verified. That's very important to make sure that the candidate does have that degree because if I read a resume and it says Bachelor of Arts, 
University of Toronto. I'm already thinking that they didn't have the degree because they didn't put that word in. So education is very important to check. Employment verifications, again, large percentage of misrepresentation that's going on there. That's, um, it can be, usually we see the misrepresentation in the title. So someone may have put themselves down as being a manager of a department when in fact that they were a clerk. So that's where you see the most misrepresentation in employment. And then the other area is dates of employment. Often people will stretch their start date and end date so that they look like there are no gaps on their resume. So what we'll do is we'll go into the company HR department and verify the actual dates of employment to make sure that it's matching up on their resume. Now, Marty, what about social media? Do you conduct social media background checks? And what do they look like? Is it a Google search? Is it something more complex than that? Yeah, good question. Um, we're seeing a lot, a, a much higher increase in people wanting to have a social media check because here's the thing, an employer should not be doing them themselves because once they see something, they can't unsee it. They're going to go in, they're going to look at somebody's social media profiles. How do they know that they have the right John Smith? They're supposed to be objective. And they're going to look at all these John Smiths, which one they're going to be looking for education. There's so many things that an employer is going to start looking for, not being 100% certain that they're accurate. You have to think of the time that that's taking your employee to do your own social media checks. Next thing, it's like a rabbit hole. The next thing you know, you're getting some online notifications about, you know, the, the sales that are coming up, the Cyber Monday sales, and it's a vortex of time. Someplace where your employees should not be spending their time is doing any kind of social media check. You also put your company at risk from a legal perspective in case you do make a, a wrong identity. Our social media checks, we do them in-house. We use human learning, as well as we have software. So once we pull up information, so Jeff, I'm gonna pull up information on you with your name. We're gonna then do a human analytic component to it to verify, to try to weed out the correct Jeff. Then we run it through our software to do a deeper search that takes minutes instead of hours, which would be a human time. And we keep running it through that software a couple of times, especially if it's a common name, to make sure that we have the right John Doe. And only then will we extract information that we're given from that program that we would then report back to the client. So there's that intuition, that human element of the search taking place. Absolutely. There has to be that. There has to be a human component to it. The machine learning saves days, possibly weeks, depending if you're doing a search on somebody like John Smith. That where you know that human component is uh, is still very, very important though to do that. And we don't do our reference checks through call centers. I don't recommend you throwing them into a call center. It's really important that if you're going to conduct the reference checks, which will bring out that sort of information, you have one person conduct all the reference checks for the candidate that's in question. Only one person can make all those calls. And then their job is to listen to maybe what's not being said. And that would be the best way to extract that information. So did you check me out before coming on the podcast, Marty? No, I didn't do that job. I didn't have your permission. <laughs> because we live in Canada, why would need your consent? I mean, I could have done a Google search on you. But here's the thing. With the Google search, that's kind of really misleading. Because it's only touching the surface. 
There could, you know, with a name like yours, there could be more than one of you, although I'm sure there isn't more than one of you out there in this world, but there could possibly be someone with your same name. And that's where you have to get in. I have to be very careful because of the litigious nature of, especially if somebody knows that somebody with their name has a really bad social media profile. Serial sewers can come out in situations like this and start applying for jobs and get turned down and then they'll sue a company. So it's really very critical to make sure that you know who you're hiring and you step out of that process yourself as a potential employer because your job is to remain objective and let us do the job of knowing who that person is and bring the facts to you to help in aid in your decision making. Well, I, I hope for everybody else out there, there really is only one me. There is. I'm sure there's only one of you. Marty, are there times when you've had the chance to right a wrong for a candidate? Maybe let them know when some information's incorrect or when there's been a time of mistaken identity that could be affecting a candidate's record. Absolutely. And chances are the candidate has probably already come across this in future hires. If they've had a background check run, they're probably going to know that pretty early on that somebody with their name possibly even the same date of birth, may have some criminal activity on their record showing. So hopefully the candidate's going to already be aware of that. It's not going to catch them by surprise. So are candidates entitled to the information that you uncover in their background check? That's a loaded question. So we can only, in terms of a background check, that report that we give to our client, I'm talking generically, a background check would include everything, references, education, employment, verification, criminal check. Our client pays for that report. We give that report to our client. It's up to our client if they choose to share the results of that information with the candidate themselves. We cannot release it to them because we don't have our client's permission. Now, if our client gives us permission, we're more than happy to release it to them. Okay, awesome. Now, aren't there roles in industries better served by background checks? Better served is a subjective decision, but the difference tends to be in whether a background check is required in a certain industry and what searches are being done. So for example, on one hand, someone could think that a seasonal retail help would not be worth the effort. They're only gonna be employed for a few months and then be gone. But from a screening professional perspective, this is a very valid reason to screen them. They are in and out in a short period of time and can quickly cause issues during a busy time of employment with your company. But what if they are retained longer than the season, and then you screen them at that stage, and then you find out there's adverse action on their record. Certainly, any professional or higher profile position or anyone in a regulated industry would be subject to any kind of background check. Do you think everybody should get a background check? I would recommend it. Um, absolutely. I, I think it's critical. It's it's a, In Canada, it's a very inexpensive check. And it's done within hours. So there's no reason not to do it. So Marty, talking about it being inexpensive, what's the business model behind background screening services? Do you pay per component? Do you pay a flat rate for the background check? We pay per check that we run. That's how that works. So if our client is hiring 10 candidates and they want to run, uh, you know, background various background checks, we would just charge them per candidate depending on what they want. If it's just going to be a seasonal position, as we were just talking about, they're probably only going to run a criminal, a Canadian criminal check. But depending on what position it is, they could run a whole gamut of background checks. And again, that's that generic term that refers to many different types of checks. 
And then we would just charge our client accordingly based on the uh, number of checks that they're doing. Now, Marty, is there anything impactful that you wanted to share that we haven't covered today? Yeah, Jeff, hiring is such an important job and it's so important to know who you're hiring because sadly, 78% of job candidates will lie on their resume. So it's really important to take your time, do your due diligence and know who you're hiring. Well, you've really restored my faith in humanity today, Marty. <laughs> I'm so glad. Marty, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, probably our website's the best way, BritainManagement.com. Um, our head office is in Toronto. Our phone number is on our website. And uh, the best way would probably be by email to info at BritainManagement.com. And Britain is spelled B-R-I-T-T-O-N. All right, fantastic. Okay, Marty, are you ready to get into the list of your five favorite things before we wrap up today? Absolutely. Marty, what is your favorite tool that helps you get things done? My power hour, Jeff. I have a power hour every morning where I sit down. I set my three intentions for the day, the things that I must accomplish. I write them down. I say no to distractions and I tackle those three things. The first thing I do every day. Wow. Awesome. My power hour consists of two cups of coffee and debating with our seven-year-old daughter why she's got to wear a coat. There you go. And you probably solved a lot of the world's problems during that time. Marty, what is your favorite resource to go to for industry information? PBSA. That stands for the Professional Background Screening Association. It's based out of the U.S. It's a great source of information. Uh, we also have a Canadian chapter, which I was recently the chair for the Canadian chapter for the Professional Background Screening Association. And it's one where I volunteer a lot of my time and it's a group of background screening professionals who get together regularly. And if there's any information I need or a resource that anybody can get, that's where you would get it from. Marty, what's the first concert that you attended? <laughs> I don't want to admit this one, but it's Alice Cooper. And Marty, what's the best concert you've ever attended? Stevie Wonder. We had an opportunity to hang out with Stevie after the show and spend some time with him. So that was probably my most uh, memorable concert with Stevie Wonder. Such a nice guy. Marty, what is your favorite piece of advice that you'd give to a young professional just starting out? The power of having a trusted mentor and also joining some sort of accountability group. Peer-to-peer -peer advisory is really important and making sure you have some sort of advisory team that you can go to to ask for advice, share ideas, and just learn from. Fantastic. Marty, I have taken... So many pages of notes here, all great insights that you shared today. Thanks so much for coming on the Insights at Work podcast. Jeff, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. And with that, it looks like we've run out of racetrack. Thanks so much for listening to the episode. If you've enjoyed it, please share it with your friends and colleagues so they can benefit from it as well. If you find the Insights at Work podcast worthy, please go on to iTunes and give us a cool rating with a nice review. We certainly appreciate it. And if there's something that you would like me to discuss around this big world of HR and all things business, give me a shout. You know how to reach me on social media or through LinkedIn. In the meantime, stay healthy and be kind. We'll see you soon on the next episode of the Insights at Work podcast.